Good evening, Kay Chapel, and all of those who are listening to us on stream live for our Wednesday night Bible class. This is Reverend Shirley Harrington, and I am substituting tonight for our pastor. We have a very interesting lesson that I am um, really excited about. So let us start with a prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us from our busy day. We thank you for the opportunity to share your word. And now, Lord, we ask that we not just share it with ourselves, but that we leave this Bible class equipped to share it with someone else. It is in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. All right. Now, I have a uh, sort of spirit on me tonight because this past Sunday, we had such an interesting Sunday school lesson, and it is the prelude to our next Sunday lesson where we are talking about the disciples and them being um, called upon to stand still and wait on the Holy Spirit. And in that lesson, um, that lesson this past Sunday was about hope and power. We spent a lot of time in our in our uh, class talking about what is hope, and then how do you access the power of the hope in Jesus Christ? Because that's what this lesson was all about. And the first part of the lesson was about Jesus is now ready to ascend, and he says, "I want you to go and wait on the Holy Spirit." And when he gives them that command, it is obvious that they did not have a lot of understanding of exactly how powerful that was going to be. So here the disciples are. They go into the meeting and it records that there were about 120 of them. And their first act is to elect the 12th disciple. And they, just, they elect Amadus. And then they're ready, sitting, praying, waiting on the Holy Spirit. And what I, I like to take out of this lesson was Acts the uh, first chapter and that fifth verse where uh, he said, John baptized you in water, but you are going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we had such a lively discussion I decided to go back and do a little research and put together this listing of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to be going through. Uh, first of all, can we have a few check-ins? And I know that there are some wonderful people out there listening. Um, and let's see, I, I see an initial. I'm not sure who that is. But anyway, uh, okay, Audrey, good evening to you, Miss Samuels. Faye Foster, how are you doing today? Dorothy James, good evening to you. Lucille Green, Dr. Green, I know you had a good day. Uh, Ms. Collins, thank you for joining us this evening. Oh, that's, uh, is that Shelby Moore? Thank you for joining. Ms. Stewart, so glad, glad you are on board with us this evening. And I do want you to continue to chime in. Uh, Ms. Williams, great to have you on board for Bible study. 
and I do know that this is going to be a very, very interesting lesson. So let's get into it. I'm going to start with Romans, the 12th chapter, and the third through the eighth verses. And that, that particular scripture, Paul is giving an instruction. And in this instruction, he talks about where we headed to tonight. He said, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself so with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with mem many members and each member do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And, and that uh, takes us up through that seventh verse. And we're going to stop right there at the seventh verse and talk about what are these gifts? How do you know what gifts you have? How do you access these gifts? And then how do you teach others about the unity of the spirit? And that's what this, is, this lesson is about. Um, we can have our separate gifts. We can use all the gifts that God has given us, but can we bring it all together in the unity of Christ? And so the first gift we want to talk about tonight is uh, the gift of wisdom. Um, when you think about wisdom, and I want you to send me some words, uh, those of you that are listening online tonight, when you think about wisdom, Tell me something that you think of a person that has wisdom. A person that has wisdom. Can I get any feedback here right quick? Feedback on wisdom. I'll give you one clue, and that is that it does correspond with love and charity. Uh, when, when we say we have wisdom, what is it that uh, we're saying we have? Did I have any comments yet? Understanding. Uh, uh, Miss Andrews, that's a good word, understanding. And we're going to talk about the gift of understanding itself. And when you have wisdom, that moves you into the gift of understanding. Uh, experience. That is an excellent word also, um, Ms. Smith. Thank you. When we have our experiences brings us into the greater realm of our wisdom. Uh, isn't it wonderful to have made it to an age where you really know you have some wisdom? Knowledge. Uh, yes, knowledge is another one of the uh, subsidiary gifts. We're going to talk about that one in a little while. And um, when we think about the gift of wisdom, uh, it's important for us to understand that when we go through services, when we go through experiences, when, when we hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us and we follow the Holy Spirit, we then have the wisdom and the knowledge that we can share with someone else about 
how God has brought us, how he has kept us. And it is that which helps us understand better that this is not by our power. This is by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the gift of wisdom, I, I would say, would anyone else agree with me? It could, we could say it comes with age, doesn't it? When, you, when you've been old enough to go through some things, when you witness some experiences, um, I have heard older people talk about going through the war, um, experiencing what it was like uh, to have themselves um, come through World War II or, or the Korean War. And some of you may remember that I was with VA as a political appointee and I had a chance to go to the hospital and to the nursing homes, to the veteran homes, and to hear them talk about the wisdom of having been in that war and what they brought back home and then what they were able to do with the knowledge and experience that they had had. So uh, do we have any other comments on wisdom? Uh, clearer directions. Thank you, uh, Ms. Williams. That That is so true. Once you got some wisdom in your uh, uh, belt and you have been going through some things, uh, you're wise enough to say, I'm not going to do that again. I, I've had that experience. So uh, now insight. Thank you, Paula. That is wonderful. You're right. You have that insight of where you ought to be going, what you should be doing next uh, with, with the wisdom that you have gained. And so as we look at wisdom, let's, we're going to refer back to Romans 12 and 3, I know 12 and 6 verse where Paul was saying, so in Christ, we all have many in a body, but in each of us belongs to that body. But we have different aspects of wisdom that we should be able to share in the congregation as a whole. And that's important that we understand God doesn't give us wisdom to just keep it to ourselves, right? He gives us wisdom to share with others. The uh, second gift of the Holy Spirit is understanding. Uh, there are so many scriptures that say, in all that getting, get understanding. Uh, it is so important. You know, you can have a direction. I can give you uh, a direction from K Chapel Missionary Baptist Church to my home. I call it the Haven here on Firesteel Road. And if you don't get understanding that you got to get out on Savannah, then you got to make a right turn. Then you have to make a left turn. Understanding is so important, especially when you're working together in groups, when you're working in mission work, uh, when you are leading younger people. If they understand what you're teaching them, then they can go out and do a whole bunch of things. So we have to really have that gift of understanding. And that really takes us back to our faith. If you don't have faith in God and you don't believe that God is guiding you and directing you, then that understanding is not going to be as strong as it ought to be. Is there any other comments about the gift of understanding? Do we have some comments on the gift of understanding? Uh, 
Okay, I'm looking in here. I'm uh, not seeing one right this minute. So I want to go on to the next gift, the gift of counsel. That is us actually having right judgment. Being um, the, the, the outline said prudence, it, it ties into the virtue of prudence. When we can understand how to do something and then we can understand and we can counsel other people based on our understanding of right judgment how how you decide that yes this road is going to the right and yes this road is going to the left but i'm advising you that's the counsel let's go to the right i actually know where this road leads to that's what we do in church as uh, teachers in Sunday school and as preachers and as people singing the gospel, we're providing wise counsel. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ with all thy heart and all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That's wise counsel. And uh, do I have any comments on, on, on counsel, right judgment? How do we become better um, holy spirit-guided Christians using the gift of counsel. All right, y'all, y'all not giving me a whole lot of feedback on that one, huh? Well, maybe the next one, the gift of courage. When you think about courage, what do you think about? Let's go back to the disciples and talk about where they were. Okay, they had gone to this place they had really been scattered uh, jesus had brought them back together he had been with them now 40 days and he was providing with the final instructions I, i'm getting ready to go back home so here are the instructions but it took some courage for them to come out of that room to come out of the hiding places to come back together. It took some courage for them to have the kind of faith that they had. They didn't know what Holy Spirit meant, but they knew if Jesus had promised them the Holy Spirit, that it must have been something pretty good. So they waited on the Holy Spirit. And in our lesson next week, we're going to talk about how they actually started to speak in tongues how they were so happy and they were rejoicing. And that took courage too. The courage to stand out, the courage to be a Christian. We take for granted so much in society in America uh, about how free we are, how we can just pick up a Bible, go anywhere, talk to anybody about the word of God, I, I said to the class on Sunday, being in India four years ago, and we had to not wear anything that represented uh, any kind of Christian faith. We we were taken through checkpoints, and the people that were from um, Sikkim, that were our guides, they actually took our passports in and spoke on our behalf because we were in areas that they were not friendly to Christianity. You know, they were totally Muslim and 
uh, nations. And so here we are coming in there teaching Christianity. And so it takes courage for you to go outside of your norm. Uh, it takes courage for you to speak up in your family when there is a person that tell you, now look, I don't want to hear that stuff no more. It takes courage to figure out how you can talk to them again. It takes courage to go against the grain of society when you can see all the wrong, when you can see all the negative things that's being done around us. So that gift of courage, and we have to believe as one body in Christ, God didn't give everybody courage. So that's one of those gifts. And I know we said something earlier about the gift of knowledge. Uh, the gift of courage, I should have said also, is, is in correspondence with the virtue of fortitude. Uh, fortitude means that you are going to stand. If you are courageous in Christ, you're going to stand on his word. You're not going to be weighed back and forth every time somebody comes to your house or somebody says, well, let's go here. Let's go there. You're going to be able to stand and say, no, I already know the Lord. And this is the teaching that I'm following. So that fortitude, when things are wrong on the job, when there are children that are not in the right spirit, when, when there is a, a dispute in the neighborhood, when there has been a natural disaster, the courage to be positive, the courage to be loving, the courage to be giving, all of those are different parts of that gift of courage. All right, now our next gift, the gift of knowledge. And I tell you, back to wisdom and understanding, uh, when you have knowledge, I mean, you, you've got all the facts. You've gone to school, you got all the degrees, you understand all the facts, all the facts. And that gift has to be put in correspondence with a hope. The virtue of hope has to go along with the gift of knowledge. Um, you can know, we know that Jesus is coming again. We can read Revelation and we can read about all of the things that were prophesied. We, we can have the knowledge of how to build a congregation, how to organize a group of young people. But if you don't have the virtue of hope with you, all of that information won't mean very much. So that is an important gift. And there are people who can take that knowledge, add it with their hope and their faith, and they step out and they make it sound so good to us. And that's one of those important gifts that we should have in the body of Christ. The other next gift is the gift of reverence. Um, that goes along with the virtue of justice. You know, um, it, it takes a strong Christian with the Holy Spirit to see the injustices that are being done on a daily basis, monthly basis, yearly basis, and then you to rest in the belief that God's got us. We can't give up. We still have to fight the injustices. We still have to walk justly in the world. And, and that's a powerful, powerful use of a gift. When you 
can be that person that stands out front, reverent, meaning that you are in knowledge of just how this ought to go, that virtue of justice. I am standing on a belief that God is in charge, that this injustice will not last, and that what we believe in as Christians will come about. Now, that is an important gift to have in the body of Christ. And I would like to think that the gift of reverence is what we look for when we start to elect uh, officials to serve us in state government, local government, national government. If they don't have that virtue of justice and they can be swayed back and forth, that is not representative of what the body of Christ ought to be and, and being guided by the Holy Spirit. And, um, okay, do we have any other comments coming in right now? I know I'm asking double duty here from, from our wonderful assistant. Um, so I wanted to read another scripture here. And it is... Um, out of Ephesians, Paul is talking to the church at Ephesians, and um, he, he's giving them some powerful, powerful instructions. And he starts out in Ephesians 4, and he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now that, if, if we stop right there, just like the, the disciples, they were being called to unify themselves. And you see that this scripture is called the maturity in the body of Christ. You have been given the Holy Spirit. You have been given the gifts of the Spirit. But you have to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And he goes on to give us the instructions of saying, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. You see that key word, love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. Here we go again, the Holy Spirit, through the bond of peace. Now, if we come to the table with different spirits, Holy Spirit gifts, then we have got to put it together as one body and one spirit. That's what the next verse says. Just as you are called to one hope, when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who, who is above all, through all, and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed, uh, apportioned. He, he said, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And it goes on down. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. 
So I want to stop right there right now and go back to these gifts because the purpose of having all of these gifts is not for us ourselves. It's for what we're going to do to help bring others to Christ. So if you already know you have any of the gifts that we've already talked about, then how are you using them in service? And I want to go back to that list. I think we were at uh, the fifth gift where we talk about, um, let's see, going back down, the, the gift of knowledge. We, we talked about the gift of knowledge. We talked about the gift of courage. Um, okay. The gift of healing. Now I went to the seventh list and I, and I apologize um, to, to my director that's moving these uh, particular tapes in front of you because I use one set of gifts, but we also have another set of gifts. And I want to talk about the gift of healing. Um, there, it, it's in the other sheet. <laughs> the gift of healing. The gift of healing. Many of us, uh, often mistake what that gift is really about. Um, when you're talking about healing a person, and there are different examples that are given to us uh, to cure a person who is wounded, ill, or suffering, that is a wide range of ways to use your gift of healing. Uh, we, we were talking about how you touch a person. Sometimes the hurt in a church could be something as simple as someone saying, you know, I'm sorry. Come on, let, can we get together? Then there could be someone that's really uh, going through a lot of pain because they've lost someone. And Sometimes it's just a matter of you deciding, I want to be use my gift of healing and adopt that person. Maybe you weren't friends before their husband died or, or their uh, child died. But healing is needed when a person is going through a tremendous loss. And your gift, you may have that gift. That all you need to do is reach out to that person. And of course, we will not disavow the gift of healing when people are ill and, and then you go to their bedside, you lay on of hands, and you actually provide them with whatever energy you have. And, and you can say to them, you know, this is not in our hands. This is in the hands of the Lord. But we're praying and we believe that we're two or three are gathered together in his name, searching and praying that we'll get an answer. And so the hope of our lives comes in us being able to share in the various types of healing mechanisms that are given to us. Sometimes healing is encouraging a person to eat right. You know, we're going to, some of us going to kill ourselves just eating the wrong things. And if you can encourage a person to start eating better, you need to get some rest. 
Look, I tell you, I'm going to start calling you every night at nine o'clock. If you say you're not sleeping, let's pray at nine o'clock every night. That is healing when people are moved from suffering into a state of peace and hope. Uh, helping people get past loss of loved ones is one thing, but helping them get past the loss of their faith because they've gone through so many tragedies. They've gone through so many hard times until they, they're suffering. You may have the healing hand, the healing voice, the healing smile that they need to move forward. The gift of prophecy, um, that is us being able to declare the word of God and, and to give prophecy to people to say, God is coming again. The, this is an important gift. When, when you are sharing a message, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and it said, okay, you need to call Sister Grace. You, you need to just encourage her. You need to send a note to Brother Mason. You need to encourage him. And then the messages that we give in Sunday school, the messages you receive in the pulpit, the word of God is coming through us. And we are the prophets. We are the ones that carry the message on. So that gift of prophecy uh, from the Holy Spirit now is an important gift. We don't talk about in our church a lot about speaking in tongues and interpreting in tongues. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, when they were speaking in the language of each nation, and then the people said, and I understand because they're speaking in my language. Let me just do a little uh, interpretation for us today. Do you know our children speak another language? And there are terms they use and all kinds of extra things that they're saying and expressing. And we need to have an interpreter sometimes. We need somebody to move us so that we can speak to them. And I can tell you the other thing about being in a foreign country and you don't really know the language and then having the Holy Spirit guide you on how to move your head, how to present your body language so that they will know you're not hostile, that you are loving how to open your arms and embrace people. The differences in us and our tongues, do we speak um, the same language as a northerner or a person from the mountains? Uh, people would say southerners with our accents and we have our terminologies. Uh, when I said to a friend in DC one time, I'm, 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 going, I'm going to make grocery. And they looked at me and said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to the grocery store and I will be picking up some items. But going to make grocery is a Southern term. Uh, so there are a lot of ways to look at the gift of tongues. How do you speak to a person? How do you interpret the word of God to that person? The gift of administration. Now, that one was 
a powerful one to read about. Um, how are we guiding people in the church? How are we moving our talents, our abilities, our skills, so that you can see a unified body? If you got a body and it has all of these functions, there has to be a person who has the gift of administration. I love uh, Miss Dorsey. I mean, I, whenever I see her, I am in awe and just how she can move so many things together. Or uh, Dr. Shannon Moore, how, how that ability to just administrate. And it is so much a gift and it comes through the Holy Spirit. Um, the gift of helping others, man, that one is so powerful. Uh, sometimes you don't have to have money. All you have to have is some energy and courage to get up and go help somebody. When we were asking for volunteers back here a month or so ago to go up to Roland Fork, uh, it was amazing the number of people that just got up and, and started moving toward Roland Fork and, and the other towns because I was brought it was brought to my attention today that we're not just talking about Roland Fork. There are several small towns up there who still need our help, in fact. So the gift of, of helping others, you but you have to have a desire. And then you must have the capacity to help others. Uh, you, you can't help others unless you can help yourself. <laughs> um, you got to be in physical health to go and help clean up or to help sort out groceries. Uh, so helping others means that you already have some capacity yourself to do the tasks that are being required of you or being asked of you. And all of us, we have that gift. I believe we have that gift of being able to help in some way. Uh, I was happy when we were in COVID to see how we could use our cell phones to stay in touch with each other. Uh, the seniors that were volunteering to take names and call other people. Uh, that's helping, not, not losing people during very tragic times like um, the time of COVID. So we as Christians, we as um, children of God have got to figure out how we put all of these gifts of the Holy Spirit together. How do we make this one body in Christ with all the things he's given us work to the glory of God? And, and that's, that's where uh, I think that we have to move toward more and more every week as we look at our particular gifts, our particular talents, and then figure out how we can work together more and more. Now, I haven't kept track on the time, and I'm going to look at it here, put up some glasses. I think we have about 10 minutes. Are there some questions or comments coming based on what we covered so far about the gifts of the Holy Spirit? I know someone had asked me earlier about the um, fruits of the Holy Spirit <clears throat> and how 
we tie the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The fruits, um, here's the easiest way I can explain the gifts and the fruits. If you got a tree, that tree has roots. And, the, and the, those roots generally go way down in the soil. And if you got a tree planted by the water, it actually moves towards the water, but it still is deep down in the soil. And that tree, we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it is grounded. It is solid. That tree is going to stand. But the fruits is what that tree bears. What, what, what do you see from the, from the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And what we should see from the gifts of the Holy Spirit are the fruits that um, was talked about. Let's see if I can find my other sheet of paper on the fruits. Um, when you talk about um, what it is that you can do to move the whole church forward. Oh, let me back up. I'm moving ahead of myself. Just like a tree, these fruits, these gifts of the Holy Spirit will not be sustained if we allow certain things to get in our way. And that was the last part of uh, Ephesians 4. If we can go to that uh, part where it tells us how to be strong with these gifts and it gives us um, some things that we are not supposed to do. It says, therefore, this is starting at the, um, get these glasses here and I can see 25th verse. I'm gonna go to the 25th verse of Ephesians four. You with me? Okay, therefore, each of you must put out falsehood and speak truly, truthfully to your neighbors, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. This is how we help, right? In the last part of that say, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. See, like accessing the Holy Spirit means you are going to spend a lot of time in prayer and meditating. That's one way to keep stuff from coming out of your mouth that shouldn't be coming out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, of whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, 
just as in Christ, God forgave you. That takes us back to John 3, 16. We get into all of this because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And when Jesus said, you can't do this by yourself, wait on the Holy Spirit, Terry, I'm going to send you help. And he sent us the Holy Spirit. He sent us ways to help ourselves. And this is because he has a lot of work for us to do. It's not because he wants us to just be sitting around. He wants us to be doing things that are beneficial for building up the kingdom. Okay, am I nearly out of time here? Let's see. Okay, I got a few more minutes. Did I have some comments? Okay, I'm I was gonna make some time for comments, feedback. Okay, I'm depending on my help now. All right. Um, thank you. Encouraging and inspiring. Thank you so much, Paula. That's a wonderful comment. I thank you. And that's what it's about. This Bible study would be meaningless if we didn't talk about things that really will benefit us in becoming stronger, mature Christians. And that's what this, this, this whole ideal, you know, when God put it in my spirit, talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, it's it's easy to say that word, Holy Spirit, uh, but to get it down inside of you, to tarry, that's an old word, where you actually allow the Holy Spirit to come in. And accessing the Holy Spirit is in your prayer time, when you actually say, come in, Holy Spirit. Take hold of me, Holy Spirit, give me guidance, Holy Spirit. Give me the words to say, Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, if you pray, and we talked about fasting too. Um, this, this is one of those things that uh, we, we have not put enough emphasis on. Uh, my mom and dad used to have this saying about garbage in, garbage out. If you got a lot of garbage in your garbage can, you can't put anything else in there. Uh, we, we would recommend fasting. Fasting means that you move yourself away from energies. You move yourself away from uh, those things that cloud your mind. You know, because your mind and, and your heart need to work in sequence, work together. And if you are trying to really open up to the Holy Spirit, you need room for it to come in. So fasting, denying yourself food, denying yourself television, uh, denying yourself being around people that are not giving you good energy, that are not filling up that void in your life for more love. Give yourself fasting time quiet time where you can really ask the Holy Spirit, come in, Holy Spirit, come in, give me that 
what I need to be able to share with my family, to share with a dying world that there is a true and a living God. And he's coming back for us. That's the hope. He is coming back for us. So I, uh, I didn't see any other comment right now. And if not, then I think uh, we got about four or five more minutes, but I think we've kind of covered this and the fruits of the spirit is for another lesson. Maybe we'll have a chance to come back together again and talk about how those fruits add up with those gifts, because, you know, we know the fruits of the Holy Spirit are those things that will give us um, evidence. The fruits are the evidence that the Holy Spirit is in you and is working. All right. Did we have any announcements for tonight? Um, I know that the young people had been advised about getting their applications in and that application has closed for the seniors who wanted to be a part of graduation. And um, the Nate, Nate Ruffin uh, announcement is still out there. For those of you that want to register for the um, golf tournament, um, those of you that may not know, our new website is beautiful. I have been out there on it and looking at how well things have been done and just want to say kudos to all of those who've had something to do with that technology that we are enjoying. Any other comments? Any, any, any prayer requests? I'm going to open it up for about a minute, two minutes for prayer requests. We're going to be praying for the uh, Cheatham family. Um, we, we are really, in, you know, lifting up uh, Brother Walter Cheatham and his entire family. And thank you, Sister Epps, for that comment. Um, yeah, I, I really think that the more we tie all of these ways that we are learning, our Sunday school is so powerful. Uh, that's where you come. If you're not a member of Sunday school, I am one of the greatest promoters of Sunday school. Come to Sunday school on Sunday mornings, and then we are going to see if we can move all of these uh, comments and messages toward each other. Because Pastor, that sermon, he preached sermon Sunday was just so on point, praising God, uh, praise him. You know, every time you get up, you should be praising God. You should be giving him thanks that you can move those legs, uh, that you understand your gifts. And so we, we are really uh, working together. We're, we're striving for that uh, excellence in our Christian development so that we can share with more people uh, what God has put in front of us. 